This is Michael Cho, artist and illustrator, and you're listening to Mighty Marvel Geeks. USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Mrs. Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. You wanted the best? Well, you got us. <laughs> we're, we're cheap at twice the price. We are. Shh. Don't let that out. Then we're going to end up with Hydra. And we got a hell of bus. I don't know if that would be something we want to let out as well. <laughs> um, it is Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike, uh, bringing you all things Marvel uh, for for this week. And uh, a lot of news, a lot of news, a lot of news. Yeah. Is there a lot of news? We can always ask Gary Gnu. Sorry. You my- know, I met him once. That. He's, he's, he was he was the curator of the animation museum in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and it was it was all I could do not to geek out. I'm like, <gasps> but I did. I, I, I did on the inside. And for the life of me, I can't remember the show that he was on. Great Space Coaster. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Great. So yeah. Um. So why don't we why don't we hit things right off the bat with with the news? Well, uh, we start off this week not in comics, not in movies, not in television, but actually in Lego. Uh, and, Lego and my ego. Lego my ego. And uh, the real Stanley is reporting that uh, a Lego set may have just dropped a huge spoiler about the upcoming Doctor Strange movie. Uh, now, this would not be the first time that it happened because, you know, Lego kind of uh, dropped the spoiler about the giant-sized Ant-Man from Civil War. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, screenshots or shots of a, a play set that's coming out from Lego uh, have... It's taking place in Doctor Strange's Sanctum. Uh, it features Doctor Strange, of course, Wong, and... Baron Mordo, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Ejiofor. I, I make a point to try to say that name once every day. So if we ever get that guy on the show, I won't screw up his last name. You do better than me, man. I'm still messing it up. <laughs> but the, the, the spoiler part of this is that there is a demon 
coming through a wall. It's it's not the uh, the mystic wimbo, but it is a it is a portal, and it's a it's red tentacles coming out of the portal with yellow uh, eyes, and a bit, it almost looks like a demonic squid. It's, it's it Marvel's it's Marvel's version of the Sarlacc. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but uh, m- apparently, according to this article, uh, there have been a lot of fans that think that this demon may be Shuma Gorath. Oh. Uh, now, yeah. So you recognize the name. If you don't, this is a demon that tried to take over the world while Strange and Wong were trapped in another dimension. So, uh, you know, you will probably have to wait until November to find out. But uh, um, well, may- maybe not, uh, because Marvel and Doctor Strange will be coming back to San Diego Comic Con. Oh. Cool. After being away last year on the We're MCU's so D twenty three, yeah, which stuff from D twenty three pretty much almost kept very tight lipped. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Dickerson and Doctor Strange, um, the next Marvel Studios film this year, will be at the Geek New Year celebration. <laughs> known, known as San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, the writer-director made the announcement via Twitter on Friday, offering up a not-so-subtle hint. Uh, he took a picture of an official Comic-Con banner featuring Cumberbatch with the text, Will I be at Comic-Con this year? Here's a hint. Um, Yeah. Uh, so it looks like Marvel Studios will have their typical presence at Hall H again this year. Uh, the studio took 2015 off, as Eric said, uh, for D23. and But Star Wars took Disney's slot there, though. Um, Disney, um, and of course, D23 is Disney's own fan convention. You know, Marvel needs their own fan convention at this point in time. I mean, we've got Star Wars Celebration. We got D23. Let's just, how do we put one together just for Marvel? Call it uh, Marvel Mania. Oh, I would be, I'm like, just take my money. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. And, and, and I, th- I think there needs to be a certain podcast there, not owned by Marvel, to also help run things. I, I, you know what? I, I, I would think so. Yes. Especially you know, since I, it's it's that certain podcast idea for this convention. Well, you and, know, you know maybe I've, we had, uh, I've had some experience helping run things. So, hey, I'm in entertainment with lots of event and, experience know, and, uh, at Disney. So. And I, and I currently, uh, I'm currently uh, on staff with uh, convention myself. So you know, just saying. Okay, so if you're like one of the higher ups in the top of the food chain at Marvel, you know, we can be had, and we're cheap at twice the price. We really are. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you <laughs> want to plan a convention on a budget, to us. Yeah. I mean, if anything, we can be involved in the, uh, oh, maybe behind the scenes stage type thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. That. We so, can do that. Totally. Uh, maybe help host some of the comic panels. Oh, oh. 
I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Um, as we can moderate. We can moderate. I, uh, we, can, we can easily moderate. Yeah. And conglomerate. Oh wait, never mind. Um, as for it's other and listen. as for other attendees, um, it's it's almost a safe bet now that we'll we'll probably see Benedict Cumberbatch at the show, um, and hope and most likely a couple other of the cast members as well. So uh, the the fun part is at their panel, Marvel does not just focus on one film. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is currently nearing the end of principal photography and could also appear at the show. Um, while no new, There's a pretty safe bet at that. While yeah. no new movie announcements are expected, since plans through the end of Phase 3 have already been long announced, <clears throat> at, a.k.a. last spring... Um, dog we, years, that's a long time. We could, we could see... Um, some more casting announcements, including official casting for Black Panther and an official announcement of new heroes coming to okay, comicbook.com, where we've gotten this story from, puts in Avengers Affinity War, like Captain Marvel, and maybe even an official title for that series of two films. I'm glad they added that last line because it's no longer Avengers Affinity War. No. no. It's Avengers TBA. So hopefully yes. we get the official title for the two films. Oh, good grief. If you're a voiceover guy and Marvel says, we need you to voice a trailer for this, you got to hope that they tried their best to have a new name by that because you can't just go... In a world where you have superheroes, Avengers TBA. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to bring people into the theater. No, it's not, no. In a world I mean, of superheroes, we present to you Avengers. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mar- Marvel is hot. You know, and pe- people are loving, you know, the, the MCU. But... <laughs> You know, TBA or yeah is not going to bring them in. Now, I guess my question is going to be with with Doctor Strange. You know, how, how much? What what vibe are they going to give this, especially at Comic Con? Or that's a good question. That, I mean, well, you, you, well, you know, the interesting thing is, uh, this is. Uh, uh, I was reading something uh, today, as a matter of fact, and. Um, it's interesting because it uh, it seems that Marvel uh, is going to uh, is saying that Doctor Strange will definitely have a horror movie element to it. I mean, where uh, if you no, know, you read the comics, you know that he is the master of mysticism. So, in other words, keep your clothes on and don't go near a lake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, you know, he he deals with. The dark, the dark side of things. You know, we're we're talking demons. Uh, we're talking God. You said dark uh, side of things. I was thinking Sith. <laughs> no, no, that, 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 that's, a, that's Sith another happens. Marvel. That, that's another Marvel title, and they're getting their movie later on this year. So different, different, different property altogether. Uh, but it was uh, Scott uh, Derrickson when he was announced uh, as 
the uh, director for Doctor Strange. According to this article, uh, many uh, it surprised many fans. I know it surprised myself, but I liked it at the same time. I mean, his resume is a litany of horror movies uh, from The Exorcism of Emily Rose to Sinister, uh, Deliver Us from Evil, um, just to name a few. And so, you know, that kind of let it kind of gave us a hint that there was going to be some type of horror element there. Uh, so uh, he says uh, it uh, was uh, Scott Atkins who who uh, is playing an as yet unrevealed character who's it's assumed that he's going to be a villain has kind of confirmed in an article that in an interview recently that and I quote this is going to show the other side the other dimension side of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, this was in an interview with Huffington Post. Uh, I'm sure Scott Derrickson's going to bring some of this horror element into it as well. It's going to be a different version of a Marvel comic. Which, you know, the, the funny thing is, the biggest question about this uh, movie was how is Marvel going to handle magic? Nobody even questioned, you know... How's the horror part is going? To, how's the horror part going to work? Right, well, right. I've seen this before with uh, Blade, and I, and I, I, I was a, a bit of a fan of the of the uh, Ghost Rider movies. You know, apparently you're not had, the only one. You know, they, they 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 had their challenges, true. But you know, when when they embraced the horror aspect. It, it was good. You know, it was good. I thought it was. And so, you know, to have somebody whose chops are in the horror world, I could just imagine um, what we're going to see on the big screen. Let yeah, but what, the, uh, huh? what about the small screen, though? Oh, well, uh, you know, if we, want to, if we want to keep it in horror, and I'm all good with that, uh, earlier this week, uh, we had an uh, interesting bit of... Uh, News from Norman Reedus, who uh, is known as uh, Daryl Dick Daryl Dixon, I believe it is, yeah. on um, uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah, and he said, and I quote, because I thought this was awesome. Uh, Hell yeah, it would be a blast. Reedus said about potentially playing Marvel's Spirit of Vengeance. Do I get a skull face that's on fire and all that stuff? F yeah, I'm down. I had to say F yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, you know, the minute I saw that, I'm just, I started thinking about it. Like, what I know of Ghost Rider, what I know of Norman Reedus, and the, the, the presence that he brings to the screen, even as Daryl Dixon, who is a completely different character from, oh gosh. Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. Of course, it's a character that's not, you know, Daryl's a character that's not even in the comics. He's not. I mean, and he took this character, and I'll be honest with you, I could have cared less about Daryl at the beginning of the show. I wanted him to get eaten so bad. (laughs) But now, he's like one of my favorites. He's kind of like he's kind of like the uh, the zombie apocalypse is Phil Coulson. He really is sort of I mean, yeah. He was he was written in kind of like as a minor character, mm-hmm. but he's been allowed to grow and progress. Yeah, and now he's now he's like a fan favorite. And 
personally, I have a confession. I don't watch The Walking Dead that much. I, right. I have not sat through an entire episode, but I've seen lots of clips right. along the way. And from what I have seen of the clips, I think Redis would make a fantastic ghostwriter. Yeah. He, he would. I when, when, I just guy... saw, when I just saw the headline, I'm like, it's not Nick Cage for one. No. And two, this is probably currently the best one of the best options. It, it, it to me, it, it is as spot on a casting as John Bernthal as the Punisher. Yeah. I mean, because like when you sit back, when you go back and you look at it, you're like, who else could you see playing that role? And the truth is, when I sit and think about it, okay, true, there there would have to be some a few character changes because Johnny Blaze is not Gerald Dixon but he has that he has that presence on screen mm-hmm. and the thing is he does action mm-hmm. and I, I you know if, if we're going to get Midnight Suns and I'm talking to you Netflix if we're going to get the Midnight Suns um, Norman Reedus uh, would be your man for Ghost Rider I'm just saying yeah yeah yeah, without and a doubt. There's been, I remember uh, the uh, the Ghost Rider comic series where it was Dan Ketch. Yes. Okay. Uh, that was like was late like, 80s, early 90s. Yeah, late yeah. 80s, early 90s. I'm trying to think who did the pencils for it. Uh, Javier. No, it's not Javier Lopez. He, would play, he played for the Braves. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was a very gritty, a very dark style. Yes. Really fit it. And the way that he drew Johnny Blaze, because Johnny Blaze came looking for this ghostwriter. Yeah, he did, yes. Uh, and wound up getting a really cool you know, fire-shooting shotgun out of the deal. Yeah. Now, I remember wanting that shotgun. I was playing Marvel, Marvel Superhero RPG, and yeah. I wanted that shotgun so there, bad. There you go. Yeah. Yes. So... Uh, Actually, I think I think that would that would do really well if they went back and they referenced those particular uh, those particular issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they could really get Dixon to Dixon get Redis to get to, to be that kind of look. Of course, he'd have to wash his hair, and, you know, maybe actually well, comb it. Who knows? But who knows? But you know. <laughs> but yeah, I. I all right, just just pop quiz for for the two of you. Uh-huh. Can you imagine? It, it, we we keep talking about uh, uh, we keep talking about casting decisions by Marvel Studios and how good they are. Right. Can we think of one that just wasn't? Can we think of a Marvel Studios film, an MCU character that you just look at and go? I can't see how that guy got the role, or that woman got the role. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, MCU. That wasn't MCU. 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 I mean, even Gary Shandling was a good choice for for his character. Uh, you know, the, the, I I can't. No, no, I can't think of anybody. Uh, so I'm I'm still thinking. So then. Seeing as we pretty much know that she's been cast as somebody in the MCU, <laughs> who do you think Sharon Stone would be cast as? 
The, now, this is one of those questions where the answer writes itself. I know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm thinking. I know what you're thinking. And we both know what Mike's thinking. Well, you, you know how we know what each other is thinking? Because we actually discussed this before we started recording the episode. True. And we, uh, we got all the gutter responses out then. Yes, yes, we... Uh, we yeah. did, we did, We yes. followed up the gutter, yes. But uh, this is... This is a story that uh, that has been, that has broken not too long ago. Let me let me pull it up because I think I'm pulling the. Oh, there we go. Okay, this comes to us from ComicBook.com, and Sharon Stone last last month uh, was on the Late Late Show, and she said that she would be an appearing in a Marvel Studios movie. Right. She says, I'm doing just a, quote, I'm doing just a wee part in a Marvel movie upcoming. I can't tell because, you know, you have to sign confidentiality agreements. Okay. So, in other words, a small part. A small part. Hint. Hint. Okay. Well, apparently the AARP, the American Association of (laughs) Retired People, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has uh, said that she has revealed to them that her secret power is heat in a yet-to-be-named movie for Marvel. Heat. Interesting. Okay. I don't know which is a red herring in this and which is the actual clue. Now, who in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has she worked with previously? Who can you That's think a loaded question, of? isn't it? That's a very loaded question. It's a very loaded question. I loaded she, it up she, and I put the trigger. Because she's been... Never mind. Um, Michael Douglas, actually. Okay. I'm trying to keep so, it clean. There you go. <laughs> so, Michael Douglas, <laughs> Hank Pym. Yeah. What and, and this is what we discussed before we went on the air. What if she's actually the character Janet Van Dyne? And yet again, to me, writes itself. Yeah. She yeah. says, "I'm doing just a wee part, small part." Where was Janet supposed to be? Microverse. Uh, microverse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. She did that funny. Uh, there you go. But, I mean, if she's doing heat... Now, of course, there are different kinds of heats. There is the, I hurl fireballs at you kind of heat. Right. There's, I raise temperature heat. Yeah. And there's, bow bow wow heat. That is true. True. So, I, so there, there it is. I, I personally believe that she is going to be... This is just me. We have no other evidence as to what it'd be other than this article. Although, of course, once we started recording, I did happen to look at to therealstanley.com, and they're, they're thinking it may be the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, let's face it, though, before we pat ourselves on the back for being freaking geniuses, mm-hmm. this is not really too far out on a limb we're going here. No, but no. for for us to pat ourselves on the back as freaking geniuses, I, we can say, outside of the professional groups like the real Stanley, the Nerdist, and stuff like that, 
what other podcast or what other show in general has brought this type of um, thought or speculation to the table. I, I really haven't heard it from any other Marvel show. No. That's not associated with Marvel, and even they're not discussing it. You know, we could be totally off base. For all we know, they could be casting her in Thor Ragnarok as the fire deeming Surtur. Yeah. It could be. Or, or, for all we know, this could be tying in that often rumored connection between the Fox movie universe and the Marvel universe. And she's playing like old Phoenix or something. I don't know. Or an older Firestar. Oh, that's an idea. Yeah. Um. I mean, there are characters, there are heat generating, like Magma. Magma's a good cho- a good choice. Well, we, we, we did announce last week that Namor's coming back under Marvel Marvel Studios control. I mean, who, who in the Namor world would produce that type of heat? And again, with the heat, it doesn't necessarily have to be fire. Yeah. Steam. Uh, heat, um, like infrared type heat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then again, I just, I don't know, because a, the AARP report does not have a direct quote. Right. So, we've got a direct quote from the Late Late Show versus an indirect quote. True. From AARP. True. So, which one are we... Which one do we lend more credence to? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, I, I don't know. We, we, we might have to take this to the judge. Right, and get a judge's ruling on it. Okay. <laughs> Do we get to pick which judge we want? No, because we're going to go with Lance Ito. Oh, wait. Maybe we'll go with Kenneth Choi, who played Lance Ito in The People vs. O.J. Simpson. <laughs> because... Dude, I don't even I'm think... Done, I'm done right would have done a stretch like that. <laughs> oh. Hey, I could do this all day. Well, that's what we're afraid of. Actor Kenneth Choi um, apparently is the latest addition to the Sony slash Marvel Marvel Studios upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, he will be. This isn't the first time Choi has been involved with the Marvel Marvel Universe, uh, as he was a key member of. Cap's ragtag group of soldiers known as the Howling Commandos. Oh, snap, you're right. Yep. Just, just for those who... Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that again. For the Cap's ragtag group, the Howling Commandos. Sorry. Um... <laughs> in which he played Jim Morita and later reprised the role in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
uh, in the, uh, was it the 087 episode? Yeah, it was the flashback scene. Yeah. Um, Troy joins a great cast uh, that's going to include Tom Holland, who we see, Marissa Torme, who plays Aunt Hottie, I mean Aunt May. You know you know that uh, Robert Down Jr. has hinted that there may be a uh, an, an Aunt May romance with him in that with him as yeah. in Tom Stark in uh, Homecoming. Um, well, Robert Downey Jr. is in this film. There you go. Uh, Zendaya is in this. And Michael Keaton in a yet undisclosed role. They'll oh, most expect oh. him to be the main villain, uh, which is being reported to possibly be the Vulture. Uh, I, guess, I, I okay. That's a good casting, I think. Okay, I, I'm just going to say this right now. There were people who criticized his being cast as Batman. Right. No. But darned if he didn't pull it off. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't. To, to me, after that series, Clooney was the better Bruce Wayne. No, mm-hmm. Kilmer was the better Bruce Wayne. Clooney was the better Batman. But he was the he was the best that put them together. Yes. Yeah. It, I don't know that Keaton really has the the uber thin per- physicality to be the Vulture because I mean the Vulture is very thin. I mean he's almost like anorexic thin. True. So, I don't think that the... I think he could fill the role. I think he could definitely pull off the the attitude of the character and and the presence of the character. I just... I'm not sure that the physicality is. I, I almost... Me, personally, I would almost rather see him as Mysterio. Oh, snap. I think that would be perfect. Yeah. Or 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 even uh, is it Shocker? Um. Mike could do. He Mike could do. Was he oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How about the Scorpion? Yeah. I could see. Yeah. 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 I mean, Scorpion's got. I, I think Keaton's kind of got that. That scorpion attitude, is, I mean, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for him. Yeah, I'm hoping, because it's been a long time since I've read Spider-Man. It, Shocker's one of his villains, right? One of his rogues? Yeah, right. It's yeah, the guy who's got the, it's like a red and yellow or maroon and yellow suit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, Shocker and uh, Electro are so close to each other. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's well, the only thing. Here, here's the other thing sticking with Spider-Man, though. Um, Tom Holland is visiting; ha, has been seen visiting the Guardians of the Galaxy set. Okay. So, uh, again, this comes from comicbook.com. Uh, now that you know, Spider-Man is officially part of the MCU, Tom Holland seems to be everywhere. Okay, I get it. Build up the hype. Um... But apparently he was on set with Guardians of the Galaxy uh, at, at Guardians 2 uh, with David Batista 
aka Drax Destroyer, and Michael Rooker, who plays Yondu. Uh, they took a photo together, and it's captioned at Tom Holland 1996, and I fanboyed out today while being schooled on longevity and glue activation by Michael Rooker. Um, okay. Visiting the set. Right. Now, but before you potentially bring up that thought, paragraph, and I think we discussed this briefly before show as well, still fun to imagine a Spider-Man cameo popping up in the franchise at some point down the line. And having Holland Spider-Man under the direction of James Gunn will be a truly fun thing to see. In the meantime, we just have to keep dreaming. I'm going to go on record now. And there's been times where you know, we've used our phrase, it hurts to be right. Since the discussion on this, I there is a comment on this article and it's the size difference between Holland and Batista is hilarious are they even the same species well no Batista is a beast but that's besides the point right going on that paragraph well we could be dreaming we might be that dream might be coming true a little sooner than expected because I think I stated I'm not going to toot my own horn um but I think I, either I brought up or Eric brought up or we might have brought up around the same time in credit scene the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, you did. The Milano pulls into Brooklyn or, or wherever Spidey's located. Or where Queens. He, Queens. Happens to just pop in some park in front of Spider-Man and pretty much I where's Albuquerque? Okay, I'm, I'm stretching that. But, but on cloaks and, and poses the question to Parker. I mean, we're, we're already seeing it in the animated series with Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man. It, it, yeah. It's happened how many times in the comics? Hmm. Nova. The, the, the young kid Nova is a friend of Spidey's. Yeah, that's true. And did they, and they did say that we we're going to eventually see Nova. Right? Didn't they say that? Who who's to say Nova is not a kid when they finally do it? You know, I think I I, I like what they did with Ant Man. They it, where you've had more than one person play the role or, mm-hmm. or be that hero. Yeah. Right. So you focus on the new guy, but you have the old guy around as well. Right. It, it could still happen with Nova. You know, here, here's how I would see, here, here was, here's how I would write that end credit scene. Okay. Milano comes down to New York. Star-Lord pops out. Spidey shows up, and he says, I'm looking for Richard Ryder. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and that's pretty much where you end the scene. Boom, you have dropped a Nova bomb. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you can still have <laughs> Sam as Nova. Right. And still have Richard around. That's true. Yeah. I mean, because the Nova Corps, they're kind of like the Green Lanterns to borrow, to pull in from another 
from our distinguished uh, competition. Yeah. They, they're, they're sort of like the Green Lanterns of, the, of this universe, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah, kind of. So, sort of. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. So, yeah. Mm. I, he He's not visiting the set just for the sake of visiting the set. You don't think so? I don't think so. Now, see, I... Maybe it's just me being cynical, but I'm not really trying to... I'm trying not to read too much into that. Right. Because if I'm Tom Holland, and I've pretty much got the the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe by the tail... Right. I'm going to pull some strings, and I'd say, I want to visit the set of Guardians. There's that. Yeah, but you know, how many others have been visiting the set as well, and it's not published? Yeah, but see, Holland is kind of in the public eye, especially because of Civil War. Right, but you can't you can't tell me Robert Downey Jr. hasn't been on set. Or, but here's the thing: Stallone was on the set, and he came out that he had a role. You know, at first it looked like he was just visiting. Right, but you, like I said, you can't tell me, you know, any of the other cast members from any of the other movies haven't appeared on set to see what's going on. Right. If they have, it would have been it would have been stated. True. This has been stated. I, I, sorry, I foresee an end credit scene here. Okay. I want to run out on that limb. Go ahead. Movie comes out next year. Let's just see how right we become. That way we can say, "Told you so." We've been right once or twice before. So true. So uh, on said date in June 2016, whenever you're listening to this, uh, listeners. Well, I uh, mark this. I'm gonna. Well, let's mark it right now as we're record as we're recording. Okay, we're recording at six eleven. 16. June 11, 2016. I, Mike of Mighty Marvel Geeks, has stated Spider-Man in credit scene, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So it is noted, so let it be done. I'm in. I'm in. So, um, <laughs> apparently something else is being noted and done. Uh, according to news from the ATX TV Festival. Ah, yes. Um, it seems that our uh, uh, one of Marvel's favorite sons, um, my Brian Michael Bendis, uh, one of his newest titles, Scarlet, is in development to be a TV series at Cinemax. Um, That's a quick turnaround. It is. And, uh, now, this is an article from Deadline. And, uh, I mean, uh, Scarlet, I... Is it, what, eight issues in now? Something like that? I don't even think it's that old. Uh, it's it's new. It's new, new. And well, so, now... Correction, though. It, the series did first appear in 2010. Okay. Right, it did. And true, what we're looking at now is a... What, I guess, the second series. But, um... So, now... So, according to this article, uh, it is currently be being developed at Cinemax. Well, I guess originally it was going to be an HBO property. Right. But then it got moved over to Cinemax. Um, well, it's kind of in that family. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it feels like um, it's, it seems like it has the same feel as uh, but, but, what was the other show? Uh, Strike Back. To me, it seems like going to Cinemax tells me it, it might get a little more racier. Yeah, you know, than if it was on on HBO. I, I, I would think so. Uh, Cinemax, Cinemax After Dark. Yeah, well, I don't. Know, I don't think it's going to go that far, but it's going to be close. Well, there you go. It'll, it'll be close. You no, know, they'll they'll be able to be a little bit more, a little bit more free with the violence and that sort of thing. Um. So so yeah. So this has been right now. It's in talks. Uh, this is what this came out of the. ATX Television Festival in Austin. Uh, so it looks like Brian Michael Bendis, uh, along with his duties at his current duties at Marvel, has a little bit more added to his plate. So you know, actually now Bendis also was behind the uh, the series and the creation of Jessica Jones because he, you know, of course he wrote Alias. Well, don't and, forget Powers and Powers too. And so, and so, Powers is enjoying some uh, is enjoying success, just like well, Jessica Jones was. Powers, Powers has got a secret, second season coming out. Yeah, yeah, it does, right? Yeah, second season. Yeah, so. it's going what PlayStation first, then it'll probably run over to Crackle. I think so. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's on PlayStation now. So right, and it's on Crackle now as well, which Crackle is another uh, streaming service similar to Netflix. Yeah. Right. So. So yes, yeah, so now and so Powers and Scarlet are both under the Icon Comics imprint, right? Uh, which is a creator-owned imprint of Marvel that was launched in 2004, right? And, and of course, and so, other big names on that is Mark Miller's uh, Kickass and the Secret Service. Yeah, so you know, and, and so it's interesting because these titles. Uh, are you know once they cross over to the big screen or the small screen, you know they're getting huge success. I mean, uh, we're already getting a sequel. We're going to get a sequel to uh, Kingsman, which was the Secret oh, Service. Uh, yeah. So I think it's going to be the Statesman is what we're getting because it, it moves over to the Kingsman version, the U.S. version of the Kingsman, right. which is known as called the Statesman, which I'm so looking forward to. So. Uh. So yeah, so and actually, Cinemax has another uh, series right now that's doing pretty well. It's a Robert Kirkman series called Outcast, and so uh, Cinemax knows how to, you know, they they will al- they they will allow a series to be whatever it needs to be, and um, and you know it'll definitely find its audience over there. Right. So. I, I'm excited to see this. Well, yeah. S- speaking of crossovers, play it. Leah Thompson covers Howard the Duck number nine. Okay, I have a confession to make. Uh-huh. When I saw that you wanted to to talk about this story earlier, I was doing laundry. I was sta- I was standing in the laundry room, and I just like I just started whistling that, and it's kind of like, crap! It's grown on me now. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, do, do I need to pull another song from that movie? No. No. Okay. No. Was there no song from that movie? Oh, yeah, there were a couple songs and then some instrumentals. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, it, it's kind of become a theme for us. Yes. <laughs> it, oh, that song almost worked its way into my daughter's dance recital. Which was A Night at the Movies was the theme to it. So I could have gotten away with it. Um, the original story from Newsarama is Back to the Future alum Leia Thompson is equally known for her role in the 1986 cult movie Howard the Duck. To some, anyway. To some. Um, and uh, there's a certain scene in certain silky clothing that made young boys cry. <laughs> uh, that's, that's all I'm saying. Um, and if she put that outfit on today, I think I still cry. Um, anyhow, Mm-mm. she's not now, wearing that the cover though. No, oh, that would made a better cover. No, it wouldn't because I like this cover. I like this cover. I like it could this be, cover. It could have been variant B, a variant C, variant D, variant D. variant <laughs> Z. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sleepy time. Um, okay. <laughs> now the actress is returning to the franchise, but this time as herself. Uh, this week's Howard the Duck, written by Chip Zdarsky and artist Joe Kionis. This week's... Oh, that's right. It came out this week because it, it was my pick last week, wasn't it? I think it was. I believe it was. Yeah, you you pick Howard the Duck every time it comes up. So. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, we know not to pick Howard the Duck, but I don't. Re- I don't remember th- this being in the in the intern's notes though for it. It wasn't, and that surprises you how? It doesn't. Okay. Uh, Thompson as uh, it features Thompson as she hires Howard to help her account for missing bits of her memory that turns out to be tied to her appearing in the Howard the Duck movie. Um, we started planning this over a year ago, and a lot of current storyline has been building towards this appearance. So this makes so it makes sense in story and isn't just a stunt. So, Leia Thompson's coming in, going, "I got missing memory. Help me out." Um, according to Leia Thompson, my career goes into a hundred different directions, and I embrace them all. They asked me to appear in the comic, and I was like, sure, why not? So many people have and come up to me and said, I'm the, I'm the only one that will come up to you and say that Howard the Duck was my favorite movie. There have been thousands of these people. Hence why I was considered at Walmart one of the 80s best movies. Same, but not I, not I, saying. I just can't. I just can't do um, her quote, though, it was a pretty demented movie, though. Thompson added, "Yeah, well, it was. Who cares?" Yes. Um, produced by George Lucas and starring Thompson, um, Howard the Duck was Marvel's bit of trivia here. Marvel's first feature film. Yeah. Can you, of all the properties. Howard the Duck as the first feature film? Okay, I'm going to give you an example of, of the logic they may have been using at the time. Okay? Do you know why Jiminy Cricket and Tinkerbell 
were, are pretty much the spokes characters for Disneyland and Walt Disney World and all that. Why? Because they, at the time, Disney felt that if this didn't go over well, they don't ruin their top characters. Ah. Aha. Well, and of course, Marvel had probably already had some backlash from their Doctor Strange movie, the Captain America movies that went straight to t- that were the TV movies. So it's there. I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just saying an argument could be made that this kind of logic was in play. Yeah. So that way, I mean, they take Howard the Duck. If it goes over well, it's a hit. Hey, we got a new character we can market the crap out of. Right. If it doesn't, then Spider-Man, X-Men, Captain America, all them, they're not affected. Right. So, uh, so yeah, issue nine of Howard the Duck has this. Um, I am definitely going to find that Leah Thompson variant cover. At this point in time, because actually, I'll f- I'll probably pick up two. That way, I could try and find it if, if I ever see her at a show. Get her to sign it. There you, you go. know, I would love. That. You know, people are going to try that. Yeah, why not? Because I will say, I am a fan of that movie. I know I'm not the only one who's a fan of that movie. So, but I'm also a fan of this. Ole, ole. Now, why would I be playing the Enchanted Tiki Room theme? Because coming this October, let me double, I'm double checking. Yes, coming this October, the newest limited series title in the Disney Kingdom's line is the Enchanted Tiki Room. Now, um, InsideTheMagic.net broke the story first. Um, Of course, you know, Disney Kingdom's line started with Seekers of the Weird, which was supposed to be the fourth attraction at the World's Fair that brought us A Night with Mr. Lincoln, Carousel of Progress, and It's a Small World. Seekers of the Weird, uh, the museum didn't happen. But it was. It did, but it took a different form. It took the Haunted Mansion. The Museum of the Weird was supposed to be like just a walkthrough museum, but they kept. They kept monkeying with the idea, and they actually wound up with a ride through version of the Museum of the Weird, and that's what they call the Haunted Mansion. Okay, but it never happened at the World's Fair. No, it did not. I'm just saying that's where it eventually wound up as. Um, so here's the official announcement. The world-famous attraction, and this is from Marvel itself, um, the world-famous attraction comes to Marvel Comics for an all-new adventure. Today, uh, June 9th, Marvel Entertainment and the minds of Walt Disney Imagineering are proud to announce Enchanted Tiki Room Number 1, the newest Disney Kingdom's limited series coming this October. If you saw the story over on Inside the Magic, they say September. So, I'm going to go with the official press release. It's October. Um, September, October. October. It's still yeah. a burr. Um, the burr. 
pack your sunscreen and catch the boat because creators John Adams and Horatio Dominguez are going to take you on a tropical Disney Kingdom's vacation. Welcome to the Enchanted Tiki Room, a place where of legend and fantasy and mystery. Here on, the oscill- on an isolated and mysterious island, almost anything can happen, and it often does. Inside the island's Enchanted Tiki Room, an astonishing cast of birds, plants, and ancient tiki gods spring to life. As the next boat arrives carrying new visitors, what stories will unfold? unfold? What mysteries will be revealed, and how are they all connected? We've heard that before. Um, uh, you should make a hashtag about that. Yeah, I think you should, man. I like it. This it's it's kind of got like a, uh, a a fantasy island feel to it. Yeah, the Disney Kingdom series gave us an opportunity to build on stories from our classic parks attractions that guests love. Says Walt Disney Imagineer Tom Morris while speaking with uh, the Disney Parks blog. We're hoping that the books inspire readers to revisit favorite attractions with a new perspective. For this series, we're taking guests to a tropical island filled with everything loved from the original attraction and introducing some new character songs and stories to discover. Uh, launching under the Disney Kingdom's banner, Enchanted Tiki Room has been created in a close partnership with the designers, producers, and creative directors at Walt Disney Imagineering. Joining the critically acclaimed acclaimed hits like Haunted Mansion, Figment, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and Seekers of the Weird, Disney Kingdom titles are present present exciting new adventures that expand expand upon the beloved lands, attractions, and characters of Walt Disney World, of Walt Disney Parks and Resorts. Uh, your journey is about to begin, so grab your flip flops, pop open your beach chair, and uncover the mystery and magic of October. So, um, just a couple more quotes. Uh, in a, uh, inside the Magic managed to grab uh, an interview with some of the creative team behind this. Uh, Imagineer Andy DiGiovonia, uh gave some insight on how the comic came about and why. Uh, we definitely had a list of attractions that we would love to explore, and the Enchanted Tiki Room was on that list. Uh, with each of these books, we're always looking f- to mix it up and do something that feels different. Kind of a whole new flavor to bring the Disney Kingdom brand uh, to, to the Disney Kingdom. Uh, we've done a lot of adventure stories. Um, We've we done Figment, and the Figment stuff was brilliant. Uh, we never did anything like this, but where our main, main, uh, where our main characters are birds... So the Tiki Room just brought a whole new style to the Disney Kingdoms that we thought would be really fun and would set it apart from what we had already done. Um, and of course, you know, Tom Morris adds that the whole one of the objectives of Disney Kingdoms is to kind of cross pollinate Marvel and Disney, um, which is which they have, and, and you know the Disney fans are grabbing onto these brilliantly. Um, writer John Adams explained the anthology type storytelling he's utilizing in the comic as opposed to an overarching story across five issues and the challenges that the format presented. Uh, he goes, essentially what we have is sort of a fancy island-like scenario. Gee! Um, where each week visitors are coming to the island and for this series, everyone that's there, whether or not they know it, 
uh, they're facing some sort of personal issues. And through the and through the series, they learn and grow, and eventually, if all goes well, they resolve these issues and are better for it at the end. Hey, boss, the Tiki God, the Tiki God. The bird, the bird. <laughs> um, former Imagineer and a former, well, not former, and a guest of Mighty Marvel Geeks, Brian Crosby, um, and he's currently creative director of themed entertainment at Marvel, uh, expanded his role in creation of the comic series. Uh, this allows me to continue to play in the Disney sandbox, and I think this is a great blending of what Marvel does best and what Marvel does in bringing these characters and stories to life. And now Marvel brings them to life in the form of comic books. So, um, that's going to be enough of the quotes there. Yeah. Here's here's a bit of Tiki Room tribute for you. Do you know what the Tiki Room was originally envisioned as? Mm, I do, but I don't remember. A restaurant. That's right. It, it was, was intense. It was originally intended to be a restaurant where you ate while the birds sang overhead. But somebody eventually figured out that maybe having a bird above your dinner plate is not the best idea in the world. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. But, but, but what if I want extra sauce? That's your problem. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, extra sauce or not. It is that time of the week for a new comic book day. And, uh, of course, that was the Shazbot singing comic book shop, the comic book shop, which is our, our theme song for this segment. Um, this is for new comic book day, June 15th, which is also a very special day for me. So, um, New comic book day, my wedding anniversary. Aww. Well, Dude, such a, such a good day. You purposefully got married on comic book Wednesday? No. Okay. At the time we got married, the 15th was a Saturday. Okay. I'm it just, just, just happens to fall this year on new comic book day. Well, happy anniversary early. Happy so, anniversary. Will you, will you still get to go to the comic shop or... Uh, I don't know yet. I, I might have other things I need to plan out first for that day. Uh, well, you know, if the nice, fancy restaurant that you go to to celebrate, if the comic book shop just happens to be on the way. Uh, yeah, go. no, not this time. Uh, maybe you had some errands that you got to run, and a comic shop just happens to be on the way while you're running those errands. True, but you know, I do have a pull list, so my, my books are okay. Okay. If I can't get to them this week, they'll be there the next week. Okay. So, so we're going to, let's start off, um, Eric, why don't you go this, start off this week with your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week is a number two. It is a year of marvels, the amazing number two. Uh, penciled by Leonardo Romero and cover artist Jamal Chambel. 
there's also various writers and various other pencilers, because this is kind of an anthology thing. At last, the infinite comic that had everyone taking makes it to... Excuse me. Had everyone talking, not everyone taking. I'm sure they were paying for it. Uh, everyone talking makes it to print, full of fun, heart, and pranks. This is one folks will be talking about for years. Presenting... A Mother's Day story to curdle the blood. Meet the sinister Wendigo sisters. Will the combined might of She-Hulk and Wolverine be enough to stop them from murdering their own mother? Could there be more to this story than we're telling you? Well, probably. So read it and find out. Cool. So, Kylan, how about you? Your first pick. My first pick is a number two, actually. It's Civil War Two, number two. Uh, the writer is Brian Michael Bendis. Cover artist is Marco Durjevic. I was able to say that word because I've lived just south of Cleveland for 12 years. Actually, on purpose? 17 years. Okay. Yes, I'm proud of that. Okay. So, two issues in one month? Hell yes! As the Marvel Universe reels from the events of the first issue... Tony Stark decides to take matters and the law into his own hands and declares war on the Inhumans. But not everyone agrees with Tony's perspective, and they are willing to die trying to stop him. Yeah, there's a couple titles this this month that are actually getting two issues. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was shocked by that. And, and usually when that happens, it, one's an annual, and neither one of these are... Uh, some of these titles are, are annuals. No, no. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's something they're doing for the summer. But could be. Yeah. Or or the or the one title has already had an annual and they can't do a second one and because then it would no longer be an annual. That's that's true. So, uh, well, my first pick is Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, number seven. Uh, writer is Kate Leith. Uh, penciler and cover artist is Brittany Williams. Fun in the sun can't last forever. I mean, the sun's going to explode in a couple billion years, right? With none of, with none other than Jessica Jones back in her life for the first time, nobody knows this like Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat. So we got Hellcat and Jessica Jones, I guess, meeting for the first time in this story. Or in this title. Yeah. yeah. So, on to uh, our second picks. Okay, my second pick is a number eight. It is Nova number eight, written by Sean Ryan, penciled by R.B. Silva, and a cover artist, Umberto Ramos. Civil War II tie-in. As an Avenger, Nova is on the front lines of Civil War II, but he may not have the same ideas as his friend and mentor, Iron Man. Come to think of it, he isn't a big fan of Captain Marvel's stance either. Awkward. Yeah, just a little. So, Kylan, you're number two. Uh, my number two is Black Panther number three. The writer is Todd Nahisi Coates, and the penciler is Brian Stelfreeze. The most anticipated Marvel series since Whedon and Cassidy's Astonishing X-Men. The Midnight Angels continued the liberation of Wakanda with extreme prejudice. And T'Challa's indecisions could cost him more than just the throne. Coates and Steel Freeze weave a quintessential Black Panther tale that would change the tapestry of the Marvel Universe forever. Cool. Well, my second pick 
um, comes to us from writer Jason Aaron, uh, penciler and cover artist Mike Mayhew, uh, which I know Mike's stuff from other projects from this license with another company. Um, so I got to be talking about Star Wars, and I've picked Star Wars number 20. Um, another dive into the journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Joba has... Joba. Jabba has hired the bounty hunter Black Kraston to find out who's been thwarting his men. The old hermit of the Dune Waste might of the Dune Waste might know something about that. So it's a, a, a second um, second entry of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, which I I'm liking because um, even though this takes place after Obi Wan has been killed. Uh, I know this is the second time. Uh, I can't remember if it's issue ten or issue twelve, which was the first one where they, where it was a, a flashback of Obi Wan, yeah. which was brilliant then as well. Uh, so I, I'm kind of digging that, which now makes me almost want a straight Obi Wan series, yeah, or or, or a straight Obi Wan, you know. I think a twelve issue series would be be pretty cool. Uh, we did talk way bridge wait wait uh, bridge between like Star Wars Rebels and A New Hope. Okay, yeah, okay. sort of like what he's doing now. Right. So um, and let Jason let Jason continue writing it. Give mm-hmm. give give us some miniseries. I, I think it needs to be more than five issues, though. Oh, I agree. So I, I I'd be all over that because I you know I liked the uh, Obi Wan standalone so yeah yeah or 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 make it a, a second issue that comes out once every once every other month or every quarter yeah. type deal yeah yeah you know, where long- we get two Star Wars titles and you know maybe they start doing the point whatever for the Obi Wan books that's a bonus right. that month. As as long as it's better than that C three PO issue issue, I'm I'm good. So yeah, my four ninety nine free comic book day book. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Eric, your final pick of the month. My final pick of the week is right, the pool number fourteen. <laughs> Where did I come up with month from? <laughs> I don't know. You're trying to get the month out of here. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan, penciled by Mike Hawthorne, and cover artist Raphael Albuquerque. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money are clearly the best team in the Marvel Universe, so naturally where there is a cosmic-level threat, they'll be there. Oh, uh, also, they get along really well. This arc is going to be all about happy people getting along, right? Right? Um, happy, happy, happy. Happy, 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 and be joy, joy. joy. Happy, happy, joy. Happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. So, Kylan, your your final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is uh, Black Widow number four. Uh, the writer is Mark Wade. Penciler and cover artist is Chris Samney. Uh, nearly dead after her last mission, Natasha struggles to complete her late latest assignment from the Weeping Lion. But she'll get by with a little help from old friends. Although old enemies lie in wait, she must ne- 
she must recover the missing files from the Red Room by infiltrating its newest incarnation, the Dark Room. Okay. Doesn't sound much better. No. No. So, well, my final pick. I have a really bad feeling about this. Han Solo number one. Wait, I feel like I've, I feel like I've picked this before. Yeah, I, I got that feeling about this too. That uh, I, I, I've heard this before. I'm pretty sure you did, actually. Like maybe two weeks ago. Something like that. <laughs> Three weeks ago, when the book was supposed to come out. You're just gonna keep picking it until you get there. Everyone's fair scoundrel. Right, pick it and it'll come out. You know. <laughs> Everyone's favorite scoundrel gets his own. Gets his very own series. Han is given a top secret undercover mission for the rebellion, rescuing a number of informants and spies. His cover for the assignment: only the biggest and most infamous ship race in the galaxy. You know the race Han has dreamt of winning his entire life. Will he keep his mind on the mission? Can he manage to pull it off while keeping the lead? Best-selling author Marjorie Liu comes to the galaxy. F- Far, far away, along with superstar cover artist Mark Brooks and his return to interior art. Face it, readers, there aren't enough scandals in your life. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, on that note, we have for you our final pick, and it's the Marvel Unlimited pick. And that's presented to us this week by Eric. Okay. You just I, I was waiting for you to get to that. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if I actually had a theme song for this or not. Um, no, I don't think you really do. Well, we could try this one real quick. It almost has a Seinfeld essence. Yeah. But okay, when uh, when I when I do my my unlimited picks, I try to go for first appearances, like you know the first appearance of Thor, the first uh, what if or you, whatever. You don't go right. good, bad, and ugly. Um, not too often. Okay. <laughs> so depending on how. You know, depending on who you talk to, I may or may not have done it this time. Uh, my pick of the week is Incredible Hulk number 271 from back in May of 1982. Now, obviously, this is not the Hulk's first appearance because it's issue number 271. Right. No, this is the first official, quote-unquote, official appearance of one Rocket Raccoon. Ah. Oh, okay. yeah. The 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 title of the issue is now somewhere in the black holes of Sirius Major there lived a young boy named of Rocket Raccoon. Now, when I say first official appearance, a character that looks a lot like Rocket appeared in Marvel Preview number 7. And that is from 1976. Now, I looked for that, but that one is not in Marvel Unlimited. And really, the the reason that people say that it's not 
uh, Rocket Raccoon's actual first appearance because A, he is called Rocky and not Rocket in this one. But also, uh, I should back up just a little bit. He This character appears in the short story Sword in the Star, Stave 2, Witch World. Well, which world? Well, which world? Pick one. Uh, Prince Wayfinder meets Rocket Raccoon, who is called Rocky at this point. But the the thing is, Sword in the Star Saga, which is, is uh, the last chapter that appears in Marvel Team uh, Marvel Preview, uh, it is stated as ten thousand years in the future which is the Marvel Universe uh, Earth 7614, actually. So so it's probably not very likely that this rocket is the same one in the one that we know of. So it is possible it's a descendant or just some other one that just kind of looks like him. So, anyway, Rocket Raccoon's first official appearance is in 271. Cool. Okay. So, and don't forget, um, the book club pick the month from Marvel Unlimited is all new Dupe number one, which we will discuss uh, next month. Um, so, again, feel free to, and we encourage you, please, please, please contact us. Through Twitter, through Facebook, through our email at at mmg at weebegeeks.net and let us know your thoughts about this book. Um, I will try and put the phone number in the show notes if you want to leave us a message on our voicemail and we'll put your message on online as well. So um, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Any final thoughts? Uh, nothing here. Yeah, I think I really actually want to go back and listen to the Beatles' White Album again, because that's where you hear the song Rocky Raccoon that Rocket was based off of. Yeah, like that. Now somewhere in the black mining hills of Dakota, there lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. And one day his woman ran off with another guy. Hit young Rocky in the eye. Rocky didn't like that. He said, I'm going to get that boy. I wonder, oh, I wonder how far ends the first chorus. Because that, that was one of the best parts. Rocky had come equipped with a gun to shoot off the legs of his rival. His rival, it seems. And, and it, I, I, I can see where Marvel got the or the creator got the concept for the character from from the song. Yeah, and it's such a great song too, off such a great album. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think that's going to conclude uh, another week of heat exhaustion and hot flashes for us <laughs> here on Mighty Marvel Geeks. Um, if you don't catch that reference, go back and listen to the section of Sharon Stone. <laughs> um, so, um, I'm going to say, if there's nothing else, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. 
Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. So, Leia Thompson, Howard the Duck number nine, awesome. <laughs> Sharon Stone, I don't know, is she hot enough to, to fall in line with the heat comments? Well, it could be an old flame. Oh. Oh. Uh, 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 you know. But, you know, and, and, uh, an ember, uh, an ember can still, you know, produce heat. So. Flame might, may not be there, but she can still burn. She, she's still looking for her hunk of hunk of burning love. Uh, maybe, maybe that's why she uh, hoping that she can see uh, Mike one more time. I don't know. 